0: Bretto, did you know? No, what, MP? That studies show white tea is healthier for you than green tea. Wow, MP. That's right, US studies are now showing that white tea kills viruses and bacteria, whilst green tea only stimulates the immune system to fight disease. Better yet, MP, white tea is lower in caffeine, which is good for people like me, richer in antioxidants, and great for digestion, and a super detox remedy. White tea is no fat either, Bredo, the Chinese have been drinking it up for over 1,000 years and now our Wellness Couch tribe can enjoy the same benefits with Lotus Peak White Tea. Grown in mountainous regions of China in accordance with the ancient Chinese traditions and expertise without chemicals and pesticides, Lotus Peak White Tea is good for you inside and out. Certified organic and Australian-owned Lotus Peak White Tea is available in Woolworths, Coles, Safeway and a range of health food stores. To find out more, go to lotuspeak.com.au. Lotus Peak White Tea, an affordable way to stay and feel healthy. Welcome to the Wellness Guys show with wellness experts, Dr. Damien Christophe and Dr. Brett Hill.
1: This episode of The Wellness Guys is brought to you by the all-new Sprouted Forage Cereal Breakfast Range. Did you know that when you sprout your nuts and your seeds, you can access more of the nutrition? Well, now you do. To find out more, visit www.foragecereal.com. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. This is Damien. And this is Brett. Brett, welcome to 2019, our first official podcast of 2019. Uh, I'm somewhere else in the world, actually, nowhere near where I would normally be in Melbourne. Um, and, and you have to guess where I am, but I, I don't know if you can.
0: Well, I know where you are. I know yeah. where you are. I think you've kind of gone a bit fancy. You've gotten a bit upmarket, got a bit stylish. You're by the water, and uh, and you've gone north to Sydney, Damey. I've come to the mecca of wellness,
1: where all wellness trends take place. And uh, and like you know, you can go up to the northern beaches where our um, once great mate Lawrence Tam lives. And uh, I yeah. say that because I know that people are like rolling in the car, reeling, like having to pull the car over. What do you mean, once great mate? What happened?
0: Nothing happened. <laughs> I'm just joking. LT is still. Except, on a except great that mate. we asked him to come on tonight and he said, no, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what he has done, Bruno? <laughs> he's actually said that he will come on next week. Oh, Damo. So, people, now people are very excited. They're going to be yes, so excited to hear from Lawrence so Tam. Excited. So and
1: excited and so say.
0: we're going gonna to talk about some wellness trends, Damo, because last week, We nominated what we think might be some wellness and a few articles suggesting what other people think are going to be wellness trends for 2019 and I think Lawrence Tam up in Sydney might be starting some of these because there's some interesting ones there. And uh, and so we're going to talk about them and tell us tell everyone what we think of them so that they can be pre-warned and pre-armed for <laughs> what's coming in 2019 and, and whether oh, that might Christ. be a good idea or not. But before well, we do that, Damon, I know you had a couple of things that, that weren't necessarily wellness trends for 2019 but just things you'd seen in wellness that you think are a bit wacky that you wanted to talk about. So let's start there.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brother. There's been some very interesting things that people are doing i mean obviously there's there's been the discussion about ingesting um essential oils like actually taking essential oils orally Mm. and yes that that's a really you know tricky little thing to do because some essential oils you can do but just because it comes from a company that says that you can doesn't mean that you should or can Um, so you just got to be a little bit careful about that most um most people who have studied aromatherapy actually do know that you can't ingest most essential oils. So mm-hmm. peppermint is one of those things that are a little bit of an exception, but um still going to be very, very careful because these essential oils are really rich in chemicals. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That are unbelievably concentrated. Like, for example, I don't know if you know this, Bruno, but when I, Marcus and I went to Icaria last year in September we or August, we made our own peppermint oil. And it took us oh. about 10, maybe 15 kilograms of peppermint oil to make 20, I think it was 250 mils of oil, like yeah. it was like one percent, like it was a one percent. Yeah, yeah. It was it was so much plant that we had to macerate and then, you know, boil down just to get the essential oil out. And uh, yeah. and, and like so, there's a lot of stuff in that, and so it's not necessarily a good idea to be to do it to do that. So you know, keep that in mind. Don't be taking essential oils orally just because a company says that you could. So I think that's, Absolutely. A,
0: that's a wiser. I think that's a great one. And I know Steph, my fiancé, is sitting over here. She'll be nodding her head at that one because she talks about this one a, a fair bit as well and, of course, taught by the gorgeous Kim Morrison who said the same thing, who is you know, guru all things essential oils with her 28 brand. And you know, she could be out there encouraging people to do it because it would probably increase her sales. But she yes. is very ethical about these sort of things, saying, no, this is not what you should be doing. And uh, and I think that's great. So, yeah, 100% on board with that one, Damo. What else have you got? We're well, strat- how about this? (laughs) You might be onto this one. I don't know if you've ever done anything like this, but
1: friends of mine who who live in Coffs Harbour have said that uh, in their community, people are now using straight from the keg, they're using kombucha, wait for it, as the mixer for their alcoholic (laughs) beverages. So let me just say, they're still buying Canadian Club and they're having Canadian Club with some ice and some kombucha, or they're having vodka, lime and kombucha. And uh, and I think that's absolutely hilarious. Like, can you believe yeah. that people would be, uh, you know, using a drink like kombucha to mix with uh, alcoholic beverage and then th- all in the name of wellness?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, think, that's I, I hilarious. think it's kind of funny. I don't think it is in the name of wellness. I, I think it's one of those kind of things that you do to try and make yourself feel a little bit better about yourself. Like, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon if you're doing that, you probably know you're not really doing any good. Like, you probably deep down know that – that's not really a health drink. I, I hope so. Anyway, I'd like to think so. I don't. I don't think people are seriously doing it, but they kind of just feel a bit better about the alcohol they consume. They, they feel like they're somehow negating the effects of it. You know, it's it's kind of like going out and having a bender and having a massive night out and eating a euro's at 3 a.m. and then you know you wake up in the morning and take your multivitamin just to you know make yourself feel <laughs> a little bit better about the night you had the night before. Yeah. I, yeah. I reckon yeah. it's a little bit like that, Damo. Yeah, yeah, it could be right. But I, I will say this, I will say this,
1: that there is this perception that it's better for your gut to mix your kombucha uh, with those, you know, spirits. So they are saying – it's better. That, well, they're saying that it's better for your gut because it's kombucha. And so it's coming from a fermented product, uh, fermented tea, as we know, and, uh, and they're mixing that with alcohol. And they think that that's actually not doing them as much harm.
0: I thought you were saying they thought it was better with the alcohol than without. For a second there, I was like, "Wow, that's really going out there." But no, you're just oh. saying it's better <laughs> because it's got the kombucha in it. All right, that's okay. Yeah. That's All right, so saying. that's what I said. But yeah, can I just say something about
1: kombucha? Kombucha yeah. is meant to be a drink um, that's consumed in small amounts. We're talking 25 yes. to 35 mils at a time, not 250 to 350 mils at a time, or whatever the manufacturer might be selling it to you for. Um, and if you're making your own literally you only need like a dessert spoon or two a day and that's all you need it in order for it to be of benefit for your body that's all you've got to be doing it's kind of like going oh i feel like some lemonade lemonade and you drink two liters of it just because you feel like having lemonade you don't need to do that with kombucha it's just a small amount that's the way in which it's meant to have you're meant to have it you're not meant to be drinking loads of it and in fact what we're now finding, we're seeing this, and there's companies that have set themselves up to profiteer from you girls and guys um, having bad guts or parasites, like they're profiteering mm-hmm. from this, uh, and you don't need to, you know, you don't need to go and do some crazy things. You don't need to go and do gut cleanses and parasite cleanses and, you know, all kinds of different things. Um, you've just got to look at the types of foods you put into your body. Just because it's fermented doesn't mean you've got to have mm-hmm. heaps of it. So because yeah. I'll, I'll you can't have it,
0: too much of a good thing, can't you, Damo? Like it's yeah, like anything yeah. in nature. You know, anything that gets into plague proportions can throw an ecosystem out of balance. And it, it's How kind it of works. the same as your gut. Like yeah. too much of the good stuff is just yep. as bad, or, or almost as bad as too much of the bad stuff. That's
1: absolutely right, brother. Um, what can heal can harm. And so I think what's also important to understand here is that if you take herbs to do a gut cleanse. You're doing to your microbiome the same as what antibiotics may also be doing to your microbiome. So just because it's natural and herbal doesn't necessarily mean it's not fraught with potential danger. Just be really careful. You know, if you think that this is the year you're going to do a gut cleanse, be really careful of it because you may not want to do that. It's, I've always said this, Brett, and you know this, it's better to love these guys to death than to actually yes. start to drop nuclear bombs all the way through your gastrointestinal system with the hope that you can repair the damage later. Because you may not be able to repair the damage later. So be very, very careful. Don't jump on that health trend. Don't just go and do a gut cleanse for the sake of it.
0: All right. I agree, Damo. And and on the same vein as we said before about the essential oils, you know, we know that some of those essential oils are highly antibacterial antifungal those sort of things and so Mm -hmm. it doesn't take a large stretch of the imagination to imagine that they might really disturb your gut microbiome as well so it's, it's the same thing to be mindful of there isn't it with those essential oils we spoke about earlier yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yep, yeah, for sure. All right. Now so let's talk about trends. some trends. Trends. I did, did a little search. I came across yeah. a little article on Mind Body Green. I reckon we looked at a Mind Body Green article last year around the same time and, and did the same sort of thing. So but yeah. the trends this year are different. So we've got a whole new range of trends yeah. to talk about. All right. And yeah. so number one trend they've got is recovery gadgets. And and I've seen these starting to pop up everywhere. I saw someone the other day wearing a a certain type of ring. Uh, around their finger that was monitoring oh, yeah. sleep and looking into recovery. I think that might have even been Ben Greenfield. And uh, and there seems to be a range of these gadgets, lots of people wanting to measure their sleep, wanting to measure their recovery, wanting to measure even things like heart rate variability, you know, all sorts of different measures that people are wanting to do. What do you reckon about the, the gadgetization, the technology coming into measuring our recovery demo? Do they have those in a career? <laughs>
1: well it's such a fascinating thing isn't it because you know i think we've gone through these phases of high intensity training ben greenfield spoke about training as 30 second no was it three minute blocks or something it was was doing very short there was something unbelievably short about what ben was speaking about we interviewed him what it must be seven years ago now um five i reckon you think oh yeah yeah, it's probably a bit of my gst on there but i was just you know i'm thinking about all the hardcore exercise that we started to do in wellness, in the early parts of wellness. And then one of the things that we did is we slowed it right down. We went to yoga and went to mindfulness and meditation and that sort of fitness and foam rolling and magnesium baths and all that sort of stuff, as, as he's mentioned in his particular article. Um, but now we're trying to understand how do we recover? Because I think what some people have realized is that CrossFit's not for everybody and yoga's not for everybody. Um, Hmm. And so we're trying to work out um, how do we recover? So I think anything that might help you understand how you recover could be a really, really good thing. But I find it really interesting that this is the next generation of understanding fitness, um, and that is to do with a gadget. Um, The iWatch, not the iWatch, the Apple Watch is one of those things that's been doing that. Obviously, we've had situations where – um, you know, people have you know, look use Garmin or Polar or whatever yeah. else. There's other brands that have tried to tell us how we're going. Um, but the next generation might give us more information, who knows?
0: Yeah, and I think that's I think it's it's not necessarily a terrible thing to be using these gadgets. Like if, if it's giving us feedback, if it's getting us input that's helping us be more mindful about what we're doing in terms of exercise and particularly in terms of recovery, then I yeah. can see the use in that. But by the same token, I'm I'm not sure that I think sometimes we overthink it. Like like we want to try and measure everything and we want to try and do everything, you know, the right way. And we want to know what's the research say about you know how often I should be sleeping and how often I should be resting and how often I should be exercising. And it kinda it takes us away from I think listening to our bodies. And I think that's probably the, the concern I have around it is that we want to try and Fit everyone into this little box of saying, well, this is how much sleep you should have, and this is how much exercise you should have, and this is when you should do and what you should do when. But it takes us once again, kind of away from that personalization and that listening to our body, which I think ultimately is what we really need in in sort of health and wellness. And so, like I think of myself, you know, just before Christmas, I knew that I needed to unwind a little bit. I'd had a big year, and I went away for two days, and I went and stayed down at the sanctuary. I spent mm. the whole morning each of those two days reading a book till about 1 or 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I spent mm. the whole afternoon sitting on a jetty fishing. And I just, I deliberately just did whatever I felt like, you know, so I didn't set a time when I was going to go fishing. In fact, I didn't even have a watch with me. I didn't set a time when I was going to eat. <laughs> I didn't set a time when I was going to read my book. I just went, I'm going to read my book until I feel like stopping reading my book. I'm going to eat when I feel like eating. I'm going to fish when I feel like fishing. And mm. that was the best thing I've done in ages in terms of de-stressing and reviving. It was absolutely mm. fantastic. So what maybe we just need body? to listen to ourselves a bit more and not try and rely on the gadget so much as well
1: i think what's happening here Brett, is that people live busy lives and you know we're high tech we've got computers we've got devices you know people are trying to find ways in which they can build into their life through maybe a membership you know 15 minutes they can fit into their day where they they might do something extra that might be an easy or slow recovery biohack body hack um so whether it be sound therapy or heat or cryo or Um, or float tank or whatever it's going to be, whatever sort of therapy they might want to use, if they can, you know, condense it into a short space of time, then they've got more time for other things in their life and they can still tick the box that they've done it. So Hmm. there's definitely a luring thing about, um, you know, these recovery things that people are going to be reading about in 2019, for sure. Yeah.
0: Now, Damo, I can't wait to talk to you about the next one. I (laughs) saw it on this article and it was mostly the reason why I wanted to do this episode because I saw it and thought Damo is going to go off at this one. And so – Mind Body Green say number two wellness trend to watch for in 2019 is plant based fish. Yeah. What do you reckon, Damo? Plant based fish. Wow. Like, really, it's, um, it's a big deal. And
1: there are people out there that are saying, you know, that the, the TVP, what, the textured vegetable protein, um, meal replacements or meat replacements. Like, uh, do you remember when I got back from? Um, yes. Where was I remember um, talking about the Expo vegan West. hot sausage. Yes, Expo West, and we'll talk about the vegan turkey and we'll talk about the, the vegan hot sausage. <laughs> Remember the vegan hot sausage? That's right, the Italian, the vegan Italian hot sausage. That's right. Um, and we'll talk about those sorts of things. The, the, we have to be sensible about this. Now, obviously, in a laboratory, we can create whatever we need to create or would like to create um, from a numbers perspective. So if you want 25 grams of protein per serve, it can be made. No problems. If you want vitamin A, B, C, D, E in a supplement or in a tablet or in a protein, that can be created. If you want to have a drink and it's got branched chain amino acids and it's got coconut water and electrolytes and that sort of stuff, it can be created. But you can't replace what is natural and what is, you know, what is built for the human body. Now, there will be consequences, I guarantee it. The further we move away from nature and try to put try to put our body through an artificial environment if we're going to be making fish out of soybeans or making fish out of chickpeas or making fish out of um what will be another pea yellow split pea um then we're going to be putting we're going to get into trouble if you're, you're trying to get flavors like a fish that's not a fish it's got to be a nature identical flavor which is a chemical there's something wrong with that. It just doesn't gel with me, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. I
0: don't know about you, and, mate, but it's Well, the really other thing worries. I think we need to consider is I think we need to look at, for example, wheat as an example and see when we started making all of our foods from wheat, you know, a huge proportion of our foods from wheat for breakfast, lunch and dinner. All of a sudden, what we saw was lots and lots of people having lots of trouble with wheat. And so it makes sense to me that that's not the way we're designed to eat. That's not a natural thing to consume such a huge proportion of our diet from one source. And yeah. it seems to me that maybe now we're doing it with, you know, animal, or sorry, with pea protein or with soy protein, you know, with these um, vegetarian or, or vegan proteins that maybe we're doing the same thing putting such a huge chunk of our diet from that one source, it's bound to cause problems and imbalances within our bodies, I reckon, Damo. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. When I was walking through Expo West uh, in March of last year in
1: um, Anaheim in in the US, uh, there was all these textured vegan products that were coming out. And they talk about using peas, they talk talking about using potato starch, all that sort of stuff. And then... When you read through this particular article from Mind Body Green, and we'll put the article in the in the show notes, I think it's really important because we're referencing it, we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, when you read through this, it talks about the blending of algae oil. Now, one of the more exciting things that I came across when I was there was this potential for algae oil to be used. And um, they've grown a, an algae, and they're juicing this algae and ripping the oil out of it. And it's very rich in omega three fatty acids, and it's very clean and clear, and doesn't have a, a horrible pungent odor. Uh, like uh, fish oil would, um, but they're putting that oil into these plant-based foods and modifying the protein content to be around about 15 grams, 14 to 15 grams of protein per serving. Uh, and so you, you're basically putting together a recipe um, and selling it as a whole food where it's it's not the sum of the parts is not equal to the whole.
0: And hey, I've had around. an idea. I've had an idea. What if you okay. got the algae? Yes. What if you got the algae yes. and then fed it to the fish? Yes. And then ate the fish. Amazing. It's, it's
1: <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, from a life cycle perspective, I just can't see how that would work. But uh,
0: what a great All idea, right. Brett. Next one, Damo. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that this is a trend for 2019. It feels like this mm. is something we've known about for ages. But they're saying forever. understanding the circadian rhythm is key to way more than just better sleep. I mean, that's something we've known forever. Mm. Well, it is. But you know where this will be coming from? Uh, this
1: will be coming from the ability to sell a product. And what's, again, like the the problem with, um, with allopathy, and this is where wellness can fall away from being um, uh, vitalistic. And I yes. think that's important for wellness to remain vitalistic in that we understand that the power that made the body heals the body, that the body has the ability to be self-regulating, self-healing, self-regenerating. I think it's really, really important to remember that there's a vitalistic component to wellness that we don't let go of because when we go down the reductionist route and we look at the allopathic component of wellness, it's all about taking a tablet. And so we forget about all the other things that might happen. So people go, I can't sleep. I better take some melatonin. Now, if you take a hormone, you're going to muck up other hormones. You've got to ask the question, why is your melatonin low in the first place? We've spoken about this, we speak about this in the management of stress, we talk about this in the management of, um, of cortisol and adrenaline yep. and, and serotonin, we talk about the need to laugh, the need to get outside. If we're going to hack it and we're going to take melatonin in a supplement form, doesn't matter how many milligrams, micrograms, whatever it is, if we're going to be taking melatonin, whether it's prescribed or over the counter, we're going to be dysregulating our hormones and there will be consequences of that as well. We'll be really, really careful of that. So where wellness goes mad is where we dissociate ourselves from being vitalistic and we go down the route of allopathy and that's very, very concerning.
0: Absolutely. And and it's that looking for the quick fix, isn't it? Because we know that you know, our cortisol and our melatonin are out of whack because we're too stressed, because we're not getting enough sleep, because we're having too much screen time. You know, we we know there's a whole raft of reasons, but rather than deal with those reasons, those causes of the problem, we're looking for the quick fix of, well, I can just pop this pill. I guess it's a bit like having the kombucha with your alcohol. It's like, <laughs> I just want the quick fix so I can yeah. keep doing what I've always been doing and, and feel like I'm yeah. getting away with it. Uh, but it just doesn't really work that way, does it? No, it really doesn't. You can't hack it. You can't hack it. You've got to be able to, you know, go down the route of uh, of
1: what's more appropriate rather than actually trying to hack this stuff. The biohack thing doesn't work. It's trying to. Like, it's like trying to um, become a millionaire by playing Tats Lotto. It's just. Yeah. It's just not going to cut the mustard.
0: I like it, Damo. I like it. Well, the next one that Mind Body Green has said this is a really latest trend, Damo. Cutting edge, modern trend, Ayurveda. <laughs> <laughs> i reckon that's been around for a little while
1: <laughs> oh my gosh is that is that correct that's amazing well there you go then these are the cycles that we have and so you know yeah, you and we i spoke I've, about that last time didn't we yep yeah, spoken about different cycles um we've spoken about different therapies we've spoken about so many times we've spoken about the different types of diets and how they ebb and flow so the thing that will happen if avita comes back into vogue we are talking about um not having raw food and that means that we've gone from being raw to then having everything cooked then they're going to be talking about you know um managing our doshas and having tri-doshic foods and uh yeah. so managing vada pitta and kafa. um they're going to want to make sure that we get the five different flavors as so pungent sweet sour salty and bitter they are going to want to have all of those in every single meal and the the interesting thing about this is that avid has been around for what let's say would it be 800 years or maybe longer I would have thought it was way longer than that, but I don't actually know. Okay. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I'm going to it Google be. it. Yeah, so it's not that it – I mean, the fact that it's got – let's say it gets modern, does that make it any better that it's modern, or is that just something that uh, makes it more acceptable? Um, I don't know if there's been any more research done on it. Maybe there has been research done on it, because I've got to tell you, I don't think in India they give two flying hoots – uh, about whether or not medicine accepts them. There's mm. 1.9 billion people over there um, using Ayurvedic medicine. Um, they're not worried about double-blind placebo-controlled studies like we are here in our 24, or 20, or 24 25 million uh, population of Australia uh, where we have to have a double-blind placebo-controlled study before we can actually tell somebody that something works. So yeah. in, uh, in India, with 1.9 billion people and they're using Ayurveda, it's already modern. Why do we have to make it modern in Australia? I find that fascinating.
0: Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. But I can see it, as you said, with those trends going round and round now. The the next one I'm really excited about, I'm really excited about. 5,000 years old. 5,000 years old. Why does it need to be
1: modernised? Like, medicine's only been around for 120 years. So, why does a Vita happy modernise?
0: 500%. yeah yeah something something that's worked for thousands of years is likely to keep working i reckon where it's rather than changing it overnight doesn't seem to make a lot of sense okay. but uh the next one do i'm really excited about number five is that money talks will no longer be off limits and we've spoken about this i reckon for seven years on the wellness guys where we've said that you know money and financial talk shouldn't be a dirty word and that mm. you know we shouldn't be anti-money or anti-capitalist in terms of you know wellness because a lot of uh, a lot of wellness people and, and celebrities and, and advocates seem to be a bit anti-money. They're sort of anti-anything that is money-related. But you know, really, money is just a way of exchanging energy. And, and I think that if we aren't mindful of our financial wellness, it can have a massive impact on our ability to provide for our family, our ability to you know to buy the foods and live the lifestyle that we want in terms of our health and wellness. It doesn't have to, but often it does. But also it it impacts on our ability to um, to help others around us as well, you know. So I I just don't think I think being um, you know having a healthy mindset around money and and you know the the biggest thing I think around that is just earning more than you spend, as simple as it is. You know you don't have to be making squillions of dollars, but having a healthy mindset around money I think is a really important part of your wellness package. So I'm excited to see that that hopefully is going to be on the discussion board for 2019.
1: Yeah, me too. I, th- I agree. Uh, I, one, it's one of those things that people say you can't talk about. You can't talk about politics, religion, and money um, at a dinner table. Um, but I think that we need to be able to talk about money and uh, and learning from people who are doing money well. I think it's really important. I think I've got some great friends who are doing great things with money, and I learn from them all the time. Um, and I observe people who are doing bad things with money, and uh, and I learn from them as well. So. Uh, I think it's really important that we have those conversations around financial health and well-being uh, because the, it really has an impact on our body. One of the, the biggest stressors of anybody's life is financial um, concerns. So I think I think that's good. That's a good trend. Let's keep that one going. I, like that,
0: I like that one. Bye. The next one I quite like as well, which is talking about regenerative agriculture. And uh, and it, when I first read it, I thought it was going to be arcing back to remember the interview we did with Alan Savore. Alan Savory. from. Uh, from South Africa. I never I think I say his name wrong. But anyway, yeah, savory. It's, it's and, a very uh, very Adelaide way to say his name. That was it was such a great interview and I've seen a number of articles popping up recently talking about similar sort of ideas that actually yeah. you know not having monocultures and introducing animals and, and raising animals can be used to regenerate the land and that that might actually be the healthiest thing for our environment. And I think it makes sense to have, um, you know, multiple, not just monocultures, but have an ecosystem on the land with plants and animals makes a lot of sense to me. But this article in particular is not talking about that, which I thought it was, but it seems to be more so talking about uh, carbon sequestration and, and making sure we're, um, you know, being mindful of the carbon that we're releasing with our agriculture, but also farming in ways that we can actually start to um, put the carbon back into the soil, which is interesting. So I think both of those options would be really good trends to have for 2019. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. It'd be, I'd love actually to get back in touch with Alan Savory. In fact, you know yes. what? I, um, when we went to Ikaria, there was um, some people that came away with us, uh, the Townsends, and they – they have a massive cattle farm in Australia, um, Maria Townsend and Henry Townsend, and they have a massive cattle farm in Australia, and they use the same farming methods as Alan Savory uses, Yeah, and they yep. never, ever go into drought. Their neighbours, when I say next door, we're talking a 1,000 kilometres away, <laughs> but we're, we're, you know, their neighbours will have to buy in water, and they've got to redam and find bores and all that sort of stuff, but these guys never do. They never have that problem, and they use the same Regenerative land measures is what Alan is talking about. So maybe we get Henry and Maria on the, on the, and have a chat about it.
0: I would love that because there are a few, there are a number of people doing it in Australia. I know I spoke to one at one of our uh, wellness couch events this year as well who was doing similar stuff and it was a fantastic conversation. I just loved it. I was so excited about it. So yeah, Damo, let's tee that up. That'd be a great conversation. Now, the next one, Damo, we've had a few conversations about, but uh, Mm. this one is saying that the, endocannabinoid system will be as talked about as the microbiome. That's a big call because the microbiome was everywhere last year <laughs> and, and the last couple of years. So yeah. the endocannabinoid system, Damo, tell everyone about that.
1: Well, it's I mean, everyone's heard about cannabis and um, and I suppose as a result of that, people would have heard about hemp as well. Uh, and one of the big things that's trying to um, move through Australian legislative um, Red tape is the legalisation of cannabis in Australia, medicinal cannabis in Australia. Um, In Canada, it's already taken place, and in some states within America, the US, the United States, uh, they've got access to uh, legalised medicinal cannabis. And in Canada, they've got recreational um, cannabis as well. Marijuana can actually be used. Recreationally, legally now, uh, which is good, and I think uh, the end of prohibition uh, is not too far away. Like when we when we start to you know consider the impact that prohibition's actually had on our population, where it's enabled um, you know very high prices for drugs that were very easily accessible a hundred years ago now very you know hard to get a hold of and hard to regulate. I think we'll see a reduction in that. But talking to that again means that un- understanding how it's impacting the body. Is really important, and so the endocannabinoid system within the body uh, is the chemical system, or the neuro, t- the neurotransmitter system, that responds to chemicals within the body, both that come from the outside and also that are produced on the inside of the body uh, by you know other glands within the body uh, that respond to assist us in managing behaviours. Now that could be sleep, it could be pain. It could be seizures. It could be a whole host of other things. And now we're finding that different chemicals in hemp and different chemicals in cannabis can actually affect this endocannabinoid system. And, uh, and, and we, can, we can use standardized quantities of these nutrients or these chemicals to affect this system within our body. Now, the concern with that is, is again, we've gone down the reductionist mm. allopathic model we're moving away from a vitalistic perspective. If we're using the whole plant, if we're using the whole marijuana plant, um, then maybe we we could be doing all right. But the thing with this is that when we have hemp and cannabis, uh, when we're standardizing CBD, which is the cannabinoid oil, uh, we're taking out the THC, and the THC is the thing that's linked to the psychosis. So in some regards, we're saying, okay, we can access – Uh, this plant, and there's chemicals in there that are beneficial for our body, and we do know that the the chemical THC has a negative effect on the body, Um, in some people's bodies, uh, that can cause uh, psychosis and other concerns and addiction. So we've got to be a little bit careful of, you know, what we're promoting here, but when we understand more about the endocannabinoid system, we'll be, you know, doing better things with it.
0: Yeah, I'm a bit like you, Dom. I'm a bit torn on this one because, as you said, it is taking that sort of more allopathic, reductionist approach of saying, you know, something coming from the outside in to fix the problem. And and I do think we still need to invest the time, effort, and energy to find out. Why are we needing this external stimulus to correct it within our body? What's actually causing that imbalance in the first place, I think, is an important question to ask. But mm. at the same time, you know, people are saying, well, look, if, if this is a drug that we can use that is cheaper, um, potentially just as effective, uh, potentially less side effects – um, and, and once again, you know, with no more research needs to be done, don't take my word for it saying that that is the case. But I'm saying if, if that is the case, and if the research shows that that's the case, then wouldn't it make more sense to have this natural, more or more natural approach rather than going down the pharmaceutical route, which may be, um, as I said, uh, you know, may not be as effective, may be more expensive, whatever. Uh, once again, the, the research needs to come out to say whether that's the case or not. But you can see where people would make that argument that if it is safer and more effective or as effective and, and more natural, and, um, you know, then why is there such a resistance to it? Why is this being blocked when other drugs are allowed onto the market? And, mm-hmm. and I can see that argument, you know, so I, I can sort of see both sides of it here, but I do, you know, all as always think that if we can do it from a more vitalistic perspective and say, well, why is it that we're needing this external external stimulus, what's actually going in got, going on within the body, within our lifestyles, within you know, whatever that's actually causing this uh, need for this product in the first place, then, then that might be the best spot to go in the long run as well. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, I, I would agree with that uh, 100%, Breno, 100%. Uh, there was something actually that you said in there that uh, that definitely struck a chord with me, and that's the need to go down this route. Um, but the other thing is to uh, and I'd love to explore that one day, and I think we might get um, – I'll get somebody on to talk about that. I think that would be a great thing. I've got somebody in mind for that, Brett. So leave that with me. We'll get oh. somebody. Um, the other thing is, too, that uh, when we're talking about uh, why are some drugs making of the market and other drugs not making of the market, we're going to look at that. And there's a great book that I'm reading at the moment called Chasing the Scream, Brett. And uh, Chasing the Scream talks mm. about the 100-year war on drugs. Uh, so it, it, it's a you know it's a book based on facts and truths. Um, and interviews, um, of gangland members and, uh, and people who were involved very heavily in, um, and, and, I suppose basically what it does is it takes us down the journey of prohibition and why it actually took place, um, and how we got to the point now where people die, um, as a result of um, poorly controlled, you know, drug, I don't know, stuff anyway right. I was, I was well that it sounds there.
0: fascinating you might have to lend me that book after and have a bit of a look but then the next one dame I, I think you know this is i think an american site and so i think maybe we've got some trends here that have already gone off here that maybe haven't gone off there and, and they're talking about uh the farm to table movement making its way into the wine world and wine going healthy and organic wines and preservative free wines and I, th- I think we've missed the boat on that one. I think Australia yeah. has already well and truly adopted that one. I mean, you know, you know my brother has uh, organic Hill wines and they have organic yeah. wines, they have preservative free wines, and they're going gangbusters. You
1: know, Kyle Broccoli the other day. Yeah. Kyle Broccoli came to my house the other day spr- sporting two bottles of wine. Um, and it was. Kelvy. What's that? Is it Organic Hill? They were Organic Hill wines, right? No way. Said, That's I awesome. Said, this is Brett's brother's wines. He goes, come on, you can't be serious. I go, what do you mean? He goes, Brett Brett's brother doesn't make wine I go, Yes he does. This is actually his winery. And, <laughs> uh, and so we chugged down a couple of bottles not in one night, a couple of bottles of wine, but over the next couple of days we got through these uh, bottles of wine with him and Emma and, uh, and and we and we loved them. We you have to tell Leon that uh, we loved his wines. They're really I'll absolutely hit. delicious. So uh, I'll, I'll hit
0: him I'll hit him up. I'll let him know. Damien Morrison and, you know, kale Broccoli won a case each of Organic Hill wine. And, uh, Damien Morrison? You know, so, so, uh, sorry, Damien. I was thinking of Dan, <laughs> Danny Morrison because I, I spoke to Danny Morrison at the, uh, <laughs> the wellness Morrison. Base Camp. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? I'm was just hooking <laughs> you two up. But I spoke to Danny Morrison at the uh, the Wellness Base Camp, and he was very excited about Leon's wine as well, and so i put uh, I put Danny on the phone to Leon, which Leon was very excited, obviously talking to cricketing royalty. He thought that yeah, was pretty great royalty, and, uh, So I'm not sure if Danny ended up getting hooked up with some organic Hill wine as well, but he may well have I'm not sure I think he was angling for it. Yeah well, it's worth angling for. it's great wine, I really enjoy it.
1: Look I'm looking at these other tr- uh, the other trends in this uh, in this thing uh brain health uh, which is a big one. I think we've been talking about that for a number of years too. There's yeah, some I movers, think so. You know, in Australia, we've some great things there. You know, even even around some of the events um, that take place within Australia, like the mindfulness one, the ten minutes worth of mindfulness that we do every single yeah. day um, through yeah. May, mindful in May. Um, so there's those sorts of things that we're aware of. Um, the utilization of therapy such as chiropractic to help the body, uh, you know, just function better. And uh, yeah. I think that's a really important thing to be. You important. Know,
0: the importance of healthy fats for the brain. You know, I mean, i noticing yeah. the article there. It's talking about grain brain and the effects yeah. of the, you know, a modern diet on the brain. I think that sort of stuff we've covered that well and truly on the wellness guys. I think I think Years we can ago. move on from that one. And I almost feel like number ten we've we've talked about many times as well, which is this kind of, yeah. you know, wellness washing of, uh, you know, pharmaceutical industry and and chemists and you know, so they're saying wellness will arrive in the mainstream drugstores. And I think that's well and truly happened in Australia where. You know, the, not the drug stores, but the chemists we have in Australia, uh, you know, have a lot, huge sections now with, um, with vitamins and supplements yeah. and a whole range of, you know, tonics and uh, apple cider vinegars and kombuchas and all that sort of stuff you'll find in, in many of the chemists now. So um, I think that's well and truly happened here as well, don't you think? Yeah, I think,
1: I think most of these trends that they're seeing in America, um, we've already seen. Uh, and so yeah. maybe it's just maturing over there, but we've you know, we've already tasted it. We've already got stuck into it. There's a couple of trends that they actually talk about in terms of snacking. Um, I don't believe that um, Australian consumers are looking for processed wellness snacks to be in the refrigerator. Um, I really don't believe that. Um, but these oh. guys are suggesting that's what's going to happen.
0: I, I wouldn't mind betting it does, Damo. You know, I, I think that whenever there's a trend like wellness, like – You know, whether it's paleo, whether it's vegan, whether it's whatever, there's always a a section of people who want to look for the, the quick answer. You know, they want the easy option for it. And that's often where a lot of these sort of prepackaged products come in. you know, and I know um you know with keto, I remember seeing Jimmy Moore ranting about some some of these keto bars and snacks that were there that weren't even really keto at all and had all sorts of lists of you know huge lists of ingredients of all sorts of weird and wonderful things that went into them. But yeah, you know, for a lot of people who perhaps aren't as well educated as our wellness guys audience, they look at that and think, oh, okay, well, you know, someone said to me that paleo is healthy. Here's a bar that says paleo on it. Maybe that's mm. just a way for me to get a little bit more. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all, Damo, if there's a whole raft of the, and I think there probably already is a whole raft of these sort of products that become very popular um, mm. because, you know, because marketers just try and latch on to whatever that latest trend is and, and want to use that. And, and, you know, you see that with, I mean, looking in Australia, Coca-Cola just buying out uh, Mojo kombucha um yeah. just happened here in south australia and so those big brands want to get on board those wellness movements definitely and and often they will you know in that case maybe that that's still hopefully still a good product but, it, but in other cases they might have products that are perhaps less so uh, but are still jumping on that bandwagon using that brand or that label or that name um to try and get people purchasing their products
1: yeah yeah look, it might be. I think there could be some great things happening there, but again, you know you know how I feel about kombucha. I think that kombucha should be one of those things that's having a small little bottle not a big bottle. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the great things will be that the big marketing budgets, the Coca-Cola and Lion because Lion brought uh, they brought out remedy. Was, oh, it Lion, was it Lion that brought remedy or was it uh, Coke that brought remedy? was So Coke brought mojo and Coke bought mojo and Lion yeah. bought remedy. So you've got two big brands there uh, that are involved in mass FMCG. So, um, you know, the the money will will drive the sales of those kombucha brands. Um, And and that may or may not be good. You know, who knows whether or not the quality is going to be retained and who knows whether or not that's going to be a great thing. But I don't think consuming more kombucha is the thing that's going to be the panacea to save the planet. But uh, that's just my, my my little caution there.
0: But, uh, I like it, Brodo, We
1: have gone well over time. We have spoken for eternity tonight. Um, I like it. I, Brodo, hey, I would
0: like people to let us know, Damo, whether yes. they want us to go over time. That's what I want to know. We've always stuck diligently to our 30 minutes. Yeah, I'd love people to jump on Facebook under this episode. And yeah. let us know whether they want us to stick to 30 minutes so that it fits yep. in with their commute or whether yep. they're okay if sometimes our episodes are a little bit longer and maybe sometimes our episodes are a little bit shorter yeah. but that we're just flexible with what we're talking about and just sort of go based on needs or do they like the fact that it's that consistent half hour that they know what to expect? All right. Well, I like that. I just made okay. it longer. Let's, <laughs> let's,
1: go, let's go out to the public. Bretto, it's been great chatting with you, and uh, and thank you again. Good luck for 2019. I hope some of these trends uh, don't influence your lifestyle too much. And if they are <laughs> going to influence your life, um, I hope you do it well. I'm sure you will. Bretto, uh, have a great week, and I look forward to chatting with you next week, big guy. Thanks, Damo.